The Rush Hour. Gus Warland, Jude Bolton and Wendell Saylor. This is the Triple M Rush Hour. It's the Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell, as mentioned. Follow us on socials at Rush Hour Triple M. And a massive show ahead. We've got Andy Harper speaking all things Asian Cup. Ahead of the Socceroos playing tonight, we'll also have the Wallabies captain in the second hour. How are you doing, Big Goodell? Mate, feeling really good. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk all things Wallabies. But, mate, there's plenty going on at the moment. Certainly is. And there's certainly a lot happening on our coastline at the moment, mm. Jude Bolton. I can't believe 253 kilograms of cocaine have turned up on the beach, state's beaches in the last month. Huge note. Huge wow. news out of Bondi. What, what, Absolutely. What beach, what beach? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I cannot believe it. Well, Bondi was the last one. Oh, shock me. Um, at the end of the day, it's just washing up left, right and centre. So right along the coastline. Yeah, let's have a listen. Let's have a listen <laughs> to when it all appeared with the Lifesavers. I've just found this little package of like cocaine, so we're just about to hand that over to the police. How many kilos? Uh, 253 kilos have turned up in the last month. This was just one of five kilos washing up, and the footage shows a lifesaver sitting in the water on a rescue jet ski thinking, oh, this might be... (laughs) Drive up to the hill at North Bondi. They they hand 4.5 kilos (laughs) into police, (laughs) and they just want to make sure that that it is what they thought it was. Oh, this, well, there's been there's been a lot of these, uh, you know, even over in Adelaide too. I wonder what happens here. Like, I wonder what happens with. It gets burnt, uh, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I know that, but I mean, but like, you know, oh, mate, I, mate, it's drugs. It's obviously drugs coming across and a boat's yeah, capsized no or something. Yeah, there's no one taking that home. You're getting the knock on the door yeah, from someone yeah, like, the, very, very quickly. Yeah, the cartels and oh, stuff. You never know what they. The got. cartels have like little alarms in or something. Like, you how would know. you know? I wouldn't know. That's don't ask me. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm you know. looking at you. No, oh, no. I've partied back in the day, but I'm a new man now. Of course Absolutely. you are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's the Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell. It's the Rush Hours Sports All In. It's the Rush Hours Sports All In. It's the Rush Hours Sports All In. Please don't make me say it again. Now, Gussie Walland, Usman Kawaja is fit for the second West Indies test after passing a concussion test. Yeah, exactly right. They looked initially, Jude, at his jaw to see if there was some sort of fracture or or, or any sort of bone structure damage. All, all clear there. Then he went through protocol that night and then every single day since, all good. So he's going to be set and ready to play in the second test match against the West Indies, which starts on Thursday. What about Glenn Maxwell? Not so... Uh, what not such here? good news there. Well, basically what happened after the day three against the West Indies. The Aussie team went out and saw the band Six and Out, which a lot of us, we know those blokes, Brett yeah. Lee, Shane Lee, yeah. um, Gav Robertson. Is Brett Lee? Yeah, Richard Brett Lee. Jekyll yeah. Cheekwee. Yeah. Um, all playing in that particular band. And he had a few too many beers, uh, fell, lost consciousness, went to the hospital. And at the moment, he's, there's an investigation in how many beers did you have, mate, to actually be in that position? So he Six might be knocked out. Look, a yeah. little bit yeah. of hot water. He's had a few. He's had a few incidents over the time. Yeah, remember the yeah, the World Cup uh, it fell, fell off the, the cart, fell off the back of the golf cart. Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. He also uh, broke his leg in, it, in a mate's backyard yeah, as well. Yeah, so. at a barbecue in Edinburgh. Yeah. Thomas. Yeah, he needs to have a rest from a drink. <laughs> You'd probably think so. Travis Head tests positive to COVID at the moment. He's staying back in Adelaide oh. for one day. If he then goes negative, sweet, goes in, joins the team. If not, yeah. he can play the test match, even though he's 
he's positive, but he'll have to be isolated away from the team. So no dressing room and can't field in the slips and all that sort of stuff. So there's still some protocols that go around oh, that. And, yeah. of course, the Big Bash semi-final was done last night. The Heat with uh, Josh Brown scoring 140 wow. or 57 balls. He incredible. ended up incredible yeah. innings. And the Heat play the Sixers tomorrow night at the SCG. Now, big news out of the Tigers, Dell David Nofaluma has been served a termination notice from the Tigers after a series of reported breaches and is accepted a $300,000 payout to walk away from a million bucks. Well, look, he's been outstanding for the West Tigers over a long period of time. I think he might have got their player of the year once or twice. And uh, he's a player... Even a crowd favourite too. 100%. But even when they but they loaned him out to Melbourne, Melbourne enjoyed him being down there. Mm. But obviously to accept the 300000 because he's on a two-year deal, I think, wasn't he? He's so that was a two-year deal, million dollars. Million dollars. Or you're not going to play, mate, take 300 and walk. Yeah. So he's backing himself too. But, uh, but you know what? This is one of those things too with the Tigers and Benji. Benji's going to do what he wants, but like just saying, okay, and it's the start of uh, a new era for, 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 you know, not just the Tigers, but also for... Well, it's what he, wants a, he wants a professionalism, doesn't he? He does, mate. And so, also, yeah. tell you've been saying it forever, give Benji control. If, yeah. if it's going to be on him, let him have control. Now he's getting the control, so now it's going to be on him That's the it. next couple of years without any, you know, headquarters or That's backroom right. drama. Yeah. Coco Goff in the Australian Open looks like she's almost about to wrap up her match uh, in uh, in the tennis as well, and we know that the quarterfinals have been set. Yeah, exactly right. The ones I'm interested in the most, Jude, is Djokovic versus Fritz yep. um, in the quarterfinals in the men, and then uh, Zverev against Alcaraz, who's, oh, yes. you know, he's been a bit of a forgotten man after beating Djokovic at Wimbledon. Yes. So, you know, all those four quarterfinals, unfortunately, we have that demon in it, are matches to look forward to. What pointless thing did you try and save? Give us a call on one triple three five three. It's on the back of a family on the Gold Coast who dealt with just this terrific storms, as we know, up up the far north coast. And he's this guy, Kane Morrison, was in a caravan park. The place is blowing a gale, huge storm. And once the storm hit, he was trying to hold down the awning on his caravan. Let's take a listen. God. I think he me. wanted everyone to get into the caravan. But how important is your, your awning if you're going to be flying off? Like, just, mate, just yeah, just park it. Just, just, like, you know what? Just get in the get caravan. Get in the caravan <laughs> yourself. Don't tell the family. <laughs> if, and I would just like, though, with people, my, my mates who love their camping and love their <laughs> caravanning and stuff, like that is like a piece of their home, right? It's the most, at the time, it's a very, very important <laughs> thing. So you're thinking... I've got to look after it and I've got to keep it safe and I want to make sure it's there when the storm concludes. But that is not – when you look at that footage and we'll yeah. put it on socials, that's not the time to be hanging on, mate. That's the time to get in the <laughs> caravan as you told everyone else to do. What pointless thing have you tried to save? What are your mates? Oh, mate, I don't worry about those sort of things <laughs> at the end of the day. Like, honestly, if I was in that situation, I mean, A, I wouldn't be – caravanning or camping. That's the first thing. And secondly, I'd let it through to the keeper. What about you, Del? Yeah, my, my, mine's a bit of both. Like, I, I stayed home from school one day. I stayed home from school one day and, uh, it, look, uh, you know when you, you, when you make chips, you know your mum makes chips like old school like potatoes and oh, that, yeah. cuts them up. Beautiful. So I thought, this will be easier. Like, I think yeah. I was in grade seven or grade grade eight. And I, so I put it in the oil and then, I, and then obviously I was watching TV. You didn't focus. Yeah. And it starts catching fire, and then I, then I run out. So oh, no. I'm thinking, do I go back in and try and stop it? So then I throw water on it, and I'm just oh, that's, oh, no, the, that's the worst, worst thing, thing you can do. Oh, yeah, but I didn't know because I, I yeah, don't you're know. A young kid. Yeah, so but 
Are yeah. you trying to save items there in the middle I'm, of a fire? I'm like trying to you... save everything. I'm trying to save that because I'm thinking, I'm going to get a smack from mum and dad if the house burns down. <laughs> you so, certainly are. Yeah. I've just remembered a friend of mine who got engaged on Sydney Harbour. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she's on Sydney Harbour with the fiancé and the bloke who owns the boat and their family. It's a beautiful afternoon. Yeah. Everyone's in on it and eventually the my friend gets engaged. Everyone's happy. They're looking around having some champagne and stuff and there's a little bit of water coming on board. And what, the bloke, it's leaking? Leak, what? The, the boat is leaking and the bloke... And they're looking at the bloke who owns the boat going, is everything sort of okay? And he goes, actually, it's not. We need to mayday this, right? So yeah. they're sort of basically waving and shouting at other boats. Eventually a boat comes over and they start putting stuff across, right? So everyone gets across safely and everyone's like, oh, thank God for that. One of the girls had left their handbag on the boat. And this boat at the moment, the, the, the front of the boat is peaking and looking at the sky. Titanic like. like the Titanic, right? <laughs> so uh, my friend, who I'd like to call uh, at this stage a bit of an idiot, yeah. jumps from the safe boat that's not leaking and not going down onto the other boat oh. to How save How much water are we saying? Are we ankle deep? handbag. How much that's water? That's all it was. Oh, she's got up to her knee. She's only five foot six if she's an inch. So <laughs> half her body is basically immersed in water, Mate. then jumps and keeps it safe. So sometimes yeah. under pressure, you yeah. can end up making a really stupid decision, yeah. but in the end it all worked out. Well, that's the stories we want. What pointless thing did you try and save? Let's go to Lauren. How are you, Lauren? Hey, I'm good. Uh, welcome to the rush. Yeah, what pointless thing did you try and save? So my dog accidentally attacked a blue tongue. Oh. Um, then, I know, we felt terrible because we're mm. both animal lovers. Yeah, we and love a we blue tongue, him, yeah. Yeah, and then we put him in a box to try and take him to the vet. We got in the car and then the, he got out of the box and went into the front cavity of the car. So instead of taking the blue tongue to the vet, we were taking him to the mechanic and then we had to pay to get the blue tongue come out. <laughs> oh, yeah, you would have. Now, is there a happy ending here, Lauren? No, we got given the dead blue tongue in a box. <gasps> They've just packaged, packaged it up in a box. No. Yeah. Oh, that makes me sad. Well, honestly, so, but Lauren, you know what we you got We tried yeah. our hardest. What, what we type tried of dog? To do the right thing. Yeah. What type of oh, dog? Oh, he's, he's a bull massive cross Jack Russell. Mm. So he's like a Jack Russell on stilts. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and they're, and that's, they're actually bred for that type of stuff, aren't they? I mean, he's just doing yeah. his job. Yeah. He's just doing his job, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a couple of blue tongues at the back of our place. Yeah. Just they, the two, and their one was really chubby, and then a little baby point. came out. So now we've got three. Oh, and they live in our sort of wooden seats at the back of our place. They're absolutely. Beautiful. Sun comes out, they come out and sunbake. Absolutely beautiful. Magnificent. be best to interview this next guest over the phone. You know, just in case Dell removes an item of clothing again and he gets confused and thinks he's celebrating a goal and starts commentating. He's that good at it. Since his days in the early 90s winning championships and premierships with Marconi in the NSL, he's gone on to become an author and sports commentator, primarily with the A-League and anything else round ball. And seeing his Ange at Tottenham and the Socceroos in the Asian Cup have given us all a dose of football fever. We just have to have a chinwag with Andy Harper. Yeah, he's one of the absolute best. And, of course, the soccer is playing tonight for top spot in the group. How are you, Andy? Well, Garth, where'd you get that from? <laughs> mate, well, thanks, mate. Mate, we wanted you to feel nice, warm and fuzzy, uh, mate, because we love talking to you. You've butted me up beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> what about the soccer is, of course, they're through to the, the quarterfinals. But at the end of the day, mate, it's about trying to get the weakest opposition yep. possible. What does it mean, uh, win and loss tonight? God only knows. A win for, for the Aussies would be a bit of history because in the five tournaments, Asian Cup tournaments we've played, we've never had a clean sweep in the group stage. So that's on offer for Graham Arnold. And I, and I the way he's gone recently with the team and where the team's at, I think that would be fitting. Mm. 
Um, but, mate, it's so confusing. Last night's games, China and Qatar and Tajikistan and Lebanon went right into the uh, – there was 13 minutes of extra time and we still didn't know which way it was going to go. They were so tight and people are running the rule over if this person, you know, farts in an east wind and it blows. <laughs> <in the air. laughs> it, it, it's just ridiculous. No, I can't answer that question. <laughs> One of the great <laughs> quotes. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I mean, Miss Duke's hamstring. <laughs> what's Graham Arnold going to do in terms of selecting up front? Yeah, I, I think he'll play Kasini Yangi, um, the guy, young young Aussie guy of uh, Sudanese heritage, playing at Portsmouth, doing very well at Portsmouth yeah. out of Adelaide United, and then most recently in the A League with the Western Sydney Wanderers. So he's a, he's a huge man. Um, the, by his own admission, actually, Cassini's getting to a yet to get to a point where he's he's fired up and ready to go every game if he gets to start. Today, we certainly hope that's the case. And I, I sort of think um, he'll do a bit of the softening up and then, depending on how the game goes, 60 or 70 minutes, Bruno Fornaroli might come on as well. This also presents an opportunity for Arnie to get some game minutes into some players who aren't necessarily going to feature and rest mm. some other players, Mitch Duke being one of them. His hamstring, uh, we're led to believe, is, is not that badly injured, just a bit tight, uh, so the game off will do him well. Yeah, Cassini Yankee will come in for him, and there'll be two or three other changes, maybe Nathaniel Atkinson at right fullback, one or two others. We'll wait and see. But it's all for the Aussies to play for tonight. Andy, do you think the Socceroos have taken a backward seat uh, to the Matildas at the moment, or do you think we're just caught up in the Matildas, you know, the, the euphoria of that? Yeah, that's a good question. Look, the, Matil- the Matildas have written their own story. I mean, I don't... It's not just what the Socceroos may be um, living in their shadow. I think most of the Australian sports teams are living mm. in the shadow of the Matildas at the moment. I mean... Mm. Fact of the matter is, there's only one national team that had 11 million people watching them on television um, ever, um, and that was the Matildas. Doesn't doesn't matter which sport we're talking about. So, mm. but there's a great collegiate attitude between the men's and women's teams. Obviously, you know they're, they're both working very hard to advance the game. Um, but it would be naive to think that uh, the Matildas aren't the aren't, aren't the number one at the moment and attracting most of the attention. But but a win at the soccer for the Socceroos at the Asian Cup. It's not out of the question, and it'll be great tonic for the men as well. Changing to the A-League, Andy, uh, what are your thoughts on that this year, mate? Well, mate, I'm loving it. I mean, it's pretty hard to ignore uh, some of the commentary around the off-field stuff at the mm. moment. That's not only frustrating, it's, it makes you very angry, actually. Mm. Um, but if you can, sep- if people can manage to separate that, which I, I can manage to do, um, and just focus on what's happening on the field, it's fantastic fun. You know, the guys and the girls in the A-League women's are producing some great football. Um, but you ask about the men's comp, but it's, it's flying. It really is. I mean, even Perth Glory, who are ownerless, motherless, brotherless, had a fantastic win against the Wanderers away from home. It was gripping, gripping football to watch. Excellent goals. And weekend after weekend, I mean, I, I find it great viewing, actually. And people might be listening thinking, well, you're paid to say that. And uh, of course I am, but, uh, but it, it actually comes from the heart as well. It's a great competition. If we could get the stuff off the field sorted out, which is the frustration of football fans in Australia. Um, just watch the thing go. Uh, but we've heard that before. Um, I just focus now on the football and, and, and lead the suits to try and get their heads out of their own orifices. <laughs> and what about the Spurs? Obviously, Ange Postacoglu. I mean, he, had, he started so well and, you know, just a little bit of a, a setback here and there. How have you seen it thus far? Uh, brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, he's still sitting fifth with a huge injury toll to deal with. Yeah. Very important work in the transfer market at the moment. But, but you know, Andrew would say, look, he's, he's got his own challenges, but they're not unique to Tottenham. There are plenty of teams missing big players and having to get through. Um, but what he's 
done in such a short time is it really is it, it's unprecedented. You know, I defy and how long the run lasts, of course, remains to be seen. But I defy anyone to point to me, point me at a coach in world football who who has such a dramatic impact anywhere they go. I mean, everywhere he's gone, absolutely, the turnaround in the way the team approaches the game is almost instantaneous. Now, it's come. Uh, it, it usually comes with with fabulous results, not always, but incontrovertibly, he has an incredibly immediate impact on his team, and it's won over a lot of people. You know what's been almost better sport than watching Tottenham actually play football this year is watching the the pundits from the orthodoxy, the former so-called great players, who are shit canning him to start with, and now they're trying to buy tickets on the bandwagon. It's yeah. great sport watching these people do the backflip. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Andy. On fire, Andy. Well, you can catch the third and final group stage tonight. It's the Socceroos Uzbekistan live tonight from 9.50pm on 10, 10 Play and Paramount Plus. Andy Harper, good luck. Thanks for having me, guys. See you around. Thanks, good on you, Andy. I appreciate it. Something's come across your desk, mate. It has, Jude. The drunkest countries in the world. Yep, updated at the end of 2023. So Which this list? Only, Whose list? This is the list, all according to the World Health Organization. Oh, it actually is yeah. whose Who? list? This is actually the list. <laughs> I believe them then. Yes. I'm, I'm all in here. I believe you. I know that you're a little bit sceptical oh. when it's when it's list, isn't it, Jude? We surveyed five drunks walking out of a pub. Yeah, and, and they, said... four of them were Irish. And yeah, <laughs> Okay, number one. This is one, I don't even know where this country is, to be honest with you. Moldova. 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 Do you know where Moldova is? Is that near the Maldives? No. No. <laughs> no, it's not. Lithuania, yeah. number two. It's yeah. Eastern Europe. Yeah, they're yeah. all pissed yeah. in Lithuania. Yeah. What about the Czech Republic? Oh, yeah. Had, to be, top, had to be top five. Where's, yeah, that's, that's the top on. three. So you're saying Australia's not in the top five? Or what, where yeah, are Germany is number four. Nigeria is number five. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? Mate, they, they get on the piss and then they, they, or they try and... I try and scare people. people. Oh, 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 mate. Sorry, not all. Okay, not all Nigerians. Yeah, sorry. Oh, Number oh. seven. <laughs> a big shout out to a lot of podcasters drink, from Nigeria listening right now. We love you guys. Number six, Ireland. You'd expect oh, that. Oh, yeah, you? the Irish. To be sure, to be sure. <laughs> well, the, thing is, the thing is, when the Irish, too, when they drink, mate, the more, the, the more the drunk they get, yeah. the less you understand them. That's right. The more the merrier with that yeah. lot. Uh, <laughs> I used to go to, we went to Ireland with Tiger Dilly, and he, he'd spin back straight into it. He couldn't speak after yeah. it. When he two, came in, a million miles an hour. Didn't have a clue what he was talking about. France is number nine, number 10, Portugal. Russia, 13. Oh, that surprises me. Vodka. Yeah. imagine. I keep thinking vodka, straight vodka. Smashing it out. United Kingdom, number 20. I'm surprised by that. You've been back there just recently. Mate, their whole culture is grog. Yeah. You know, pub. Pub for lunch. Pub for lunch. Pub after work. Hot beers, hot beers, yeah. Well, you asked about Australia. Number 30, Jude. 30? No. Yep. They consume, on average, 10.6 litres of pure alcohol per capita per year. Moldova, number one, was 15.2. So they've got five litres per capita per year more than us. We've got to be better, Australia. We've <laughs> no, got to be better. No. We back ourselves on being Jack, in please. the top no. 10. That, this is not good enough. Coming in at 30, it's an outrage. It's a fitness craze. Bob yeah. Hawke would be right. rolling in his grave right now. That's a disgrace. I don't mind that we're changing the culture a little bit with Australia. Really? Yeah, I am on. You want to be beaten by the Poms? I, I might be good to be beaten at something. Beaten by Belgium? Bob did the leader going around the SCG. That's not... 10.6 like... litres of mm. pure alcohol. Oh, well. So when they say pure alcohol, that means yeah. it's a lot more than 10.6 litres of grog, isn't it? You How many... from 4 to 8% or whatever, but that's like... Yeah. yeah. So, so we still go... <laughs> we're still... Yeah. 
Top, bo- top 30 is pretty Oi. good. This will shock you. Bolton's all over it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Don't worry about that. He's personally per capita at more. You're, you're Molde- Moldavian. Yeah. Moldova? Yeah, from Moldova, yeah. Moldovan. <laughs> still in the Moldovs. <laughs> <laughs> what about this, boys? Cashless societies. We spoke about it a few months ago. It looks like in the next three to five years there'll be no cash at all in Australia. When I was walking around the Adelaide Oval before the Test match start, I was with Serene Botham and, and Tubby Tartar. The three of us walked every morning and one of us would take it in turns to buy a cup of coffee and if someone wanted some toast or whatever. Well, I went one morning with cash and so did Beefy. We went to this venue and the boat goes, oh, sorry, mate, we don't do cash anymore. Now, Beefy knows his stuff. He goes, mate, it is legal tender in Australia yeah. is the Australian dollar. You must accept it as that. And he goes, sorry, mate, it's not my call. We just don't do mm. cash anymore. Well, this is an outrage around Australia Post because some Aussies now are going into Aussie Post paying their bills with cash, right? And yeah, that's, which you've always been able to do. Yep. Absolutely fine for them to do it. No, 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 you can do it, but they'll charge you a fee what? if you have cash now. And it's not necessarily Australia Post, but it's the, like, the Energy Australia's or the yeah. bills that they're paying. Those companies are actually charging Australia Post for them to, to, to deal with handling cash rather Couldn't than being wear, electronic. Couldn't they wear that sort of little yeah, charge? Like surely they, Mate, yeah. $82 this lady paid for a bill. They wanted to charge her another two dollars twenty for using cash, whereas if you use a card, it wouldn't have cost anything at that all. Is now that is un-Australian. That is, oh. and you know what they say: cash is king. Well, yeah. it used to be. Well, yeah. It's obviously not, is it? No, I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. But that's I, I love to have a little bit in my pocket, but yeah. I very rarely have it anymore. <laughs> I, tell, I, tell, I got it out, especially when I was in uh, Europe. There's so many homeless on the street in Europe, and I wanted to give pound coins or a fiver to various mm. people, depending, and. I tell you what, even to find a cash machine now. It's hard. It's hard because it's actually, it's um, real estate, right? And that real estate is worth something. So banks are now using it for other things or selling it off to other people. So it's very hard to find cash these days. I hate those little charges that they just top up. How many many tradies have just walked off the road, (laughs) just jumped off the road, but all their little cashies on the weekend are going to miss out on now. So that's just the way the world's going, Jude. Lads, I want to talk to you about Australia Day. Mm. I mean, it's coming up this Thursday, uh, national holiday. Um, uh, just the, the the idea that we aren't able to celebrate Australia Day. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll be at the Gabba, so yeah. I'll be there. And Cricket Australia and all their marketing decided that uh, the, the the actual term Australia Day will not be used at all. Not even mentioned. Not even mentioned. That's and so um, Australian captain Pat Cummins, who's very vocal on a lot of things outside of cricket, and he's got some criticism for it, but a lot of other people love the fact that he's in a position of authority, and he says it the way that is. He said this. He said, I absolutely love Australia. It's the best country in the world by a mile. We should have an Australia Day, but we can probably find a more appropriate day to celebrate it. Once you start realising January 26 and what it is and why it was chosen, Australia Day is meant to be a celebration of everything Australia and our history. We could choose a better date. I agree with him, it saddens me, but I do agree. I would love all the leaders of all the different parts of Australia to come together and find a date that everyone can go, you know what, that's a date that we can all celebrate on. Because at the moment, we seem to think that some people love it and some people don't like but it at sh- all. You shouldn't feel aggrieved that you want to celebrate how lucky we are in this yeah. country. But if, if there is a, a, a section of our country, a country that can't, Feel this, and there is that element. There's people. How we, big a section do you think it is? At well, what stage no, do you go? 80, 90% think 26 is okay, no, but, but we worry about the last our 10. Our Indigenous population, as well as, as well as you know, many other Australians. You're what Indigenous you, Aussie. What do you say, Del? Oh, no, but look, I, I can understand um, wanting to change your date, but when I celebrate um, Australia, I celebrate as lucky to live in this country 
and been able to play for the Kangaroos and the Wallabies as a kid. So even the cricketers aren't going to stand there and being Australian, but the, and they're saying you can't, you know, they're, they're representing our country. I'm, I'm always proud to be an Aussie, and I've always been proud to represent mm. Australia, but I can understand both points of view. And I reckon it's been heightened even more because of the referendum. What's happened there? Yeah, so, well, that's the other thing. The referendum yeah. came up with a decision, yeah. you know, which has actually upset a lot of people. Um, the major- minority, though, but the minority always seems to get their way. Yeah. For me, I, I'd find a, I'd find a special date on yeah. the circumnavigation of Australia, which was Matthew Flinders and Bungaree, an Indigenous explorer. They were mm-hmm. the one who tracked all the unmarked parts of Australia, find a special date in that journey and say, let's Surely we can get all the one. leaders together to come up with a date that we can all celebrate because if people yes. are upset, I totally get it. We want yep. the day off. That's what we want. So well, don't you know what? It. That was the other point I was going to make, Jude, yeah. is that if you ask the general Aussie, as long as it's a day off and if it's in summer, it's yeah. an added little bonus. But at the end of the day, that's all that people want. They don't want it banged into another day that we've already got day off. We want the day off. And that's what most Australians, whether you like it or not, mm. that's what's important to them. And you know what else? I think we spoke about this uh, uh, before. Um, when, um, you know, people people like, want to celebrate being Australian, you know, they have those uh, down in Canberra and that they have those days where, you know, what day... You know, because it's so divisive. Mm. Mate, you it know, shouldn't be divisive. You know, That's like, why we want to find somewhere. Well, it's hard that... to find an actual day that everyone agrees on. It may be yeah, impossible, no, but we've got to at least get the, get the majority. And most people would say the majority say the 26 is okay, and that's why we've had it for nearly 100 years. Mm. So that's the debate. And the mm. phones are going off. We're not taking it on. on we're not yeah. taking calls today on this particular thing, but it shows you how many people really are fired He's up about it. about it. And Absolutely. can I just say this too? Well, like when I grew up, uh, obviously in North Queensland, my uncle was Eddie Marbo. So, you know, the, 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 you know, the Marbo law on that, you know, Murray Island mm. and that, to see him go through that, I, I didn't realise at the time because, um, you know, all these folders are around and what he fought for, and you know, and it just, yeah, it's, for me, it's one of those things where... When you talk to your family, are you all in agreement that the 26 is okay or is this a topic oh, that you talk I about? I haven't really spoken uh, about that, you know, because we've... Mm. We haven't been been together for a while, but yeah, it's just it's more than the last couple of years. It's really gotten heated now. Not mm. heated, but you know, it's, no, it's got, definitely more emotion yeah. around it. Time to do one of these. And get involved. Our favourite caller will score two hundred dollars suspended. Harvey Norman one triple three five three. This is the question, lads. First world problem: If someone turns you down, your marriage proposal. Is the relationship over? Gus yes, Waller. it is. It is. You're just done and dusted. Done and dusted. Why? So I, I'm about to explain why. I apologise. So <laughs> I propose, let's say the lady's name is Laura. Okay. So yeah. I get down on my hands and knees and I have the ring yep. and we set it all up and she says no to me. You've got the videographer. Yeah, the whole bit. As far as I'm concerned, that is the moment where it breaks. That's the moment where I find it hard to come back from. I'm already there. She may get there eventually. I don't know, but I'm not going to waste any more time on this relationship. I'll put a lot of time and effort into it. I want to marry her. She's a woman of my dreams. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. She doesn't think the same about me. Plenty of old fish in the sea. See you later. Done and dusted. Dell, your thoughts. If if someone uh, turns you de- turns down your marriage, why would proposal, I want to stay with someone who doesn't want to be over. with me? It, it just mightn't be the right time. Like you, know, you, you might get there. You might have been dating for like six or twelve months. You could be like you know. You, you just got to give it time. Sometimes you need sometimes to grow as a couple. You don't need to go all in. I'm serious. I had a mate Nick who got knocked back <laughs> you, multiple you, you times. You just made a lot of sense. <laughs> a lot yeah. of sense then. I got a mate Mick who got knocked back multiple times by and, the same person, and, and now 
she was ready and then they've now married. Absolutely. There you yeah. go. So that wouldn't have happened. What was his name? Michael. You're an idiot, Michael. Oh, what about you? You could have been so much happier with someone else. <laughs> what, what about you and your missus? What, what happened there? Oh, we're not talking about oh, that. Oh, that's Hang on, did you, you get knocked back? Yeah. She knocked me back. Oh, there. Oh, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> what? There it is, Vic. What? Yeah, but I've been unhappily married for 30 oh. years since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. No, we love you, Vic. Yeah. Well, we get do. involved. One triple three five three. If someone turns down your marriage proposal, is the relationship over? over? Yes, Let's it sort is. It out. If someone turns down your marriage proposal, is the relationship over, Gus? Yeah. You said it's, it's over. Done. It's done and dusted. I'm already there. They're not there. I'm not waiting around. So as far as I'm concerned, it's over. Del and I say it's not over. It's not Let's over. go to Gabby. How are you, Gabby? Hey, boys. How you doing? Hey, Gabs. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. I missed you all. Great to hear you back. Is, Thanks, uh, is the relationship you. over if uh, someone turns down the marriage proposal? Well, all I can say is I'm eight years strong with my guy and, and he's certainly not interested in marriage. So I would say no. I reckon it can still keep going strong. Are okay, so that? Gabs, if, 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 if he asked you to marry him today, what would you say? I would say yes. There you but go. When I've asked him, he my, said no. Well, there you go. Oh, you've so, asked him. Okay. Just oh, relax. Okay. Yeah. We're getting there, mate. Wow. Yeah, all right. Well, that's a bit, yeah, okay. Yeah. What about Jonah? G'day, Jonah. How are you? Oh, g'day, boys. Uh, I was just going to say quickly, uh, Wendell and Jude are just two, you know, two big romantics. Uh, it's, it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's oh. definitely over, mate. Have, have a bit of self-respect. If, if she turns you down, mate, it's, you know, you're on to the next. Yep. <laughs> exactly right. Plenty of other fish in the sea. See you, darling. Oh, Jonas, he's Touch just saying. Yeah, let's let's go to Jeremy there at Pennant Hills. Jeremy, what's your thoughts? Yeah, look, um, real quick, quick question for you. Yeah. I don't know you from a bar of soap, Del, but would you marry me? Uh, if If... Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I if it went well, yes. <laughs> I think you'd like to date you first. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah that's at right. least at so, least buy him a chalk top of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's right. I'm big on that. You should know the answer. You should know the answer yeah. when you're asking it. Really? No. Well, well, I personally feel that that a relationship is something that's built. Mm-hmm. And realistically, you know, it takes some time. Some people might feel yeah. that they're a little bit more further involved in a relationship what the other one does. So it might be a situation that someone gets a little bit excited and says after a month or two, hey, let's get married, and the other person wants to get to know them a little bit longer. So yeah. I, I personally feel it's it's not a situation that uh, the first no has to be the the only no. Um, I think, you know, it takes time. It makes, speaking, it makes sense. He's speaking too much sense. Yeah. Jeremy. Yeah. Don't ever ring again, Jeremy. <laughs> Relationship counsellor from Westford Hills. <laughs> right, let's go to Louisa in Warunga. How are you, Louisa? <laughs> no, thank you. If someone turns down your marriage proposal, is the relationship over in your eyes? I actually don't think so. I think, but it also depends on the relationship. So I've got a couple of friends there, uh, you know, they've been going out for a couple of years now. He's asked her to marry him at least maybe twice a year in the last three or four years. She kept saying no. She just wasn't ready to actually get married. She kept to go out. But, and then she finally said yes, you know, about three years last, like, like after he first started asking. So. When she was ready. That's, so it can yeah. work. Hey. Yes. Absolutely. Louise, you never phone again oh, either. Uh, no, Cheryl, we're not going to Sydney Kings tickets. Let's go to Cheryl. <laughs> Good, thanks. How, How are, are you? you? I'm great, thank you. Great. What do you reckon? I oh, Well, I'm certainly hoping it's not ending the relationship because oh. Oh. I've been going out with my fella for six months. He'd moved into my house. Oh. Yeah. He said, do you want to get married? And I went, hell no. Been there, done that, didn't like it much, won't do it again. Oh, but you hope that he asked soon. Okay, no. No, she's out. No, no. Eight years later, my daughter got married. 
we were in Vanuatu and it was all very emotional and I was all teary. And I said to him, I don't have to keep my surname anymore. Do you want to get married? And he went, no, nope. yeah, I asked you once. Oh. Not doing it again. I like that. Tell him he needs to build so, a bridge and yeah, get over it. <laughs> so we're 13 years later, we're still together and we're still happy and life goes on. There you Just go. Solid, Cheryl. And I'll tell you what, 80% say it's not over, Gus yeah. Morland. I knew that I knew so that I was going to be the unpopular room. one. It's just probably just what I what I think. Yeah. yeah. And now on the rush hour, it's time to talk rugby. Ooh, that was the sound of all of the radios on the northern beaches being turned up. Hey, private school kids, you'll have to be three minutes late to rowing training because this one's worth staying in the car for. Our next guest was a manly junior who went on to represent his country 19 times so far, in fact. Actually, he was the Wallabies' 88th captain at the recent World Cup. He's well known for his accuracy in lineouts and strength in scrums. Isn't that a fantastic phrase? Strength in scrums. I like that. He's just signed a few more years with the Waratahs and Rugby Australia, and he signed on to at least three minutes with Triple M's Rush Hour. Right now, please welcome David Parecki. G'day, Dave. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. Mate, Appreciate it. absolute pleasure and congratulations. Uh, new deal, Waratahs and Wallabies. That must just give you that security and feeling like, OK, I can now focus on my rugby. Yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm deep in pre-season at the moment. So, um, you know, thinking, staring down the barrel at another two more years and when I'm thinking about the next two weeks. Um, no, nah, I'm pumped, mate. You know, I, I always wanted to be a professional rugby player in Australia and obviously my journey sort of left me, led me overseas. But to come back and sort of, um, I guess, towards the back end of my career, finish in Australia, I, I'm loving it here. And I, I'm proud to be a Waratah and I'm proud to be a Wallaby. Well, yeah, you, you said that you were at Saracens and then obviously London Irish. But even let's go back to the World Cup last year. Um, a lot of pressure there. I mean, it, it happens, unfortunately. But Eddie Jones, a good mate of mine, and I think we all sent you a nice message, 2003 squad, and wish you the best of luck. How did that, you know, turn out? Because there was a lot of pressure on the Wallabies. And uh, obviously, Eddie's gone. How do you, did you feel about that? Yeah, obviously, leading into um, that tournament, mm. the players were filled with optimism. You know, we had a new coach. Um, not to say that the previous coach wasn't the right yeah. fit, but... The players are given what the players are given. You're given a new coach, okay, well, this is someone new to buy into. Um, and we bought into what he was sort of selling throughout that journey and continued to do that throughout the World Cup. And then it's only really in hindsight do you sort of th see the things that you could definitely sort of improve throughout the way. But sort of as I said today, um, a lot of people have asked me about my perspective on the World Cup and um, mm. I don't want to be bitter towards it. I don't want to look towards the negative. But for me as a player... And just the man in general, I want to look towards the positives um, and what I can actually take from that experience to make me a better player and make me a better man as well. Uh, and I've done that. And it took a while. Um, we had Luckily, we sort of had eight weeks off after that break as well to really reflect on our time. And, and yeah, I took the, the positives from that. And maybe that was what not to do um, during some of the process. But uh, yeah, I'm very much sort of the next two years in Australia and looking forward. But um, yeah, I, I won't lie. The experience wasn't sort of what I'd hoped for because you, you obviously go into a World Cup hoping to win and, and we didn't do well. So, and I'm realistic of that. But um, yeah, all we can do now is, you know, we've got a new coach coming in. We can be optimistic with that and, and continue as a playing group 
to try and be better, to try and have that sort of world-class standard. Dave, captaining your country in particular, you know, what sort of, what did that feel like for you that when you made the phone call home to friends and family and said, I've got the captain's armband? Well, it was such a a strange time for me because obviously Will had been announced captain and um, I sort of stepped into that role. And again, sort of what I said this morning to media is um, I I never sort of in my career, I never really had that on my goal to be a captain of my country. What I did know I wanted to do was be closer to decisions mm. and the decision-making process. Um, so whatever that sort of role led me to, to be, um, it just so happened that obviously I was a senior player within the leadership group as well. Uh, and, and all I could sort of think about well, was what was best for the team at that time. And, and the players and the coaching staff believed that what was best at the time was for me to fill in for Will. But mate, <laughs> it's, it's a weird one for me. I don't sort of go back in my room and say, how good is this? I'm sort of captaining my country. I just go... Well, you don't even is... have a little moment? Oh, like you ring your best family, mate or ring your family, dad and surely. go, hey, I'm captain of Australia. Would, honestly, I'd, <laughs> I'm not just saying as a radio. I just, it's sort of just not the type yeah. of person I am. I was just, um, you know, I was more proud that the players trusted me to have that responsibility than, than the, um, you know... I guess the status you get from awesome. it. Cause you yeah. know, I didn't necessarily, I don't really care about that. To be honest, I care more about the trusted players because what Dell, I know obviously like, you know, if you, if you think back to your ex teammates, mm. you, you have a relationship with your ex teammates. You don't have a relationship with anything sure. outside of that. So for mm. them to trust me is the biggest thing in, in my book. Well, David, we congratulate you on the uh, two year extension with the Waratahs and the Wallabies Thanks. at the helm. So wish you and the Wallabies all the best. Cheers. Thank you very much. Good on you, Dave. Tell you what, tomorrow's show should be a cracker. Travis Head is going to be coming on before the... He's got COVID, but he'll be on the phone and he's going to play no matter what, just whether or not he's going to be playing in our dressing room or being isolated. But Travis Head will be on talking all things West Indies. And we spoke to him before the last test and he went out and made a ton. I think we're going to to claim that, aren't we? Yeah, but but I knew knew if I put enough pressure on him that he knows that he knew that he'd need to aim up. Oh, so you're claiming... Oh, no, no, but just sometimes you need a rest, mate. Because he has had a pretty good last year or so. I know, but to be he, fair, he didn't really he's get had an incredible year. That's right. He, he, well, he was still drunk from the World Cup. That's he was what still I mean. weekend at Burnie's through yeah. Pakistan, but he certainly <laughs> lit up the Adelaide Oval. Everyone else looked like they couldn't bat on it, and yeah. he batted absolutely beautifully. There's no six and out concerts before the test. Oh, please, dear. Please, yeah, please not look talking about it. Paul Glenn Maxwell. He hey, seems to be all right now, though. And I've got a story about a mate who was over in Thailand with his family over the break. I'll tell you tomorrow. Thank you. Nothing about a lady boy or anything? No, no, no. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Enjoy the rest of the ride. Get home safely, everyone. Good on you. Big fella, it's see you guys. On the rush hour with Gus, Jude, and Wendell. Weekdays from four on Triple M.